You're listening to A Little Bit of Largan, a podcast exploring how to find a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living, to support your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and today I was speaking with Jill, also known as Jam Jar Jill, a nickname that she developed based on the many uses that she has for jam jars, including tea bags, paper clips, taking salad to work, sugar, fruit, jam, candles, and so much more. Jill is a mother of two three-year-old twin boys, and she's been blogging for around 10 years around a variety of topics. About five years ago, she decided that blogging was no longer just a hobby, and she wanted to turn this passion project into a genuine side hustle and personal brand. On her blog, she shares about so many things, focusing on well-being, eco-friendly living, cooking, interior design, and so much more. She also loves to support local and eco-friendly businesses who openly support sustainability and the green economy to help get these businesses off the ground and for them to become more mainstream. I was so touched when Jill got in contact with me about coming on the podcast and it was so lovely having a chat with her and also meeting the twins as well. I hope that you enjoy the conversation and if you're a new mum I think definitely this one will be helpful and resonate with you. So let's get into today's interview. Hello! Hello! Hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How about you? Yes, I'm well. Nice to meet you, even if it's only digitally. <laughs> I think this is just the new way, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just bear with me. Okay. No worries. Ah. <laughs> I'm glad we managed to sort of clear the garden a bit at the beginning of the year, so I will take them out for that. They have definitely found that being in nature is something that has really grounded me in this time. So, 100%. Yeah. It's complete roller coaster, this whole thing. We're all like up and down and up and down. Yeah. Uh, it's all very much, I believe, in sort of like the whole concept of um, controlling the controllables and trying to focus in on that. And, um, I've always kind of been into personal development and all that sort of stuff. And I love sort of yoga and holistic. And have you heard of um, Rachel Hollis at all? I have not, no. So she's like really big in the personal development space. She did a book which was recommended to me a couple of years ago called Girl Wash Your Face. She's American. And then she's done another one called Girl Stop Apologising. And she does all like these health and well-being conferences and everything like that. But um, the thing which they launched during lockdown was a 30 days challenge. They usually do like 30 days at the end of the year, which is just kind of, it gives you challenges every day, but they kind of launched a mini one during lockdown when everyone was just completely lost themselves. But I found that really, really helpful at the time and it's kind of coming back to the whole controlling the controllables thing so you had to like write a joy list and just like little things in life which you can still do which bring you joy and then you had to break it down into scheduling that into your day like one thing for me was to have a cup of tea in the garden without the kids (laughs) to start my day 
you know, that really helped me and I've still carried that on now. It just gives you that headspace and the whole thing of being out in nature and just absorbing the sounds of the birds and stuff like that. It's, it's just so peaceful. It's such a nice thing. It's about how you can't control situations, but you can control how you respond to situations. It's not going to be perfect every day. Some days you just need to wallow in it and feel a bit down and that's fine. But other days you can try and pick yourself up and try and um, use these tools which you have to go, right, okay, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. I mean, something which I have been quite religious about in the last sort of year or so um, is keeping a gratitude journal every day. And um, that really helps me. And I've actually found an app I really like to do that on, which you can include photos in and stuff. Nice. What's but that app called? Gratitude Me, I think it's called. Hang on, let me find it. I'm a bit of an old-fashioned paper and pen kind of person, yeah. but I know a lot of people like that. Nice. I don't know if you can actually see that. I can see bits of it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Better reflect over. I'll, I'll send you the link and we can always put it in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. It's, it's really nice because it has like quotes, positive quotes, affirmations. What I like about it is, and people often say this, they kind of do it when they're going through a hard time. Like I used to do it when I was unemployed for a while and I was really just felt really down about everything. And I started doing it. And I'd write down things like, oh, I've, you know, I've got a roof over my head. And you kind of break your things down. And this is the thing which is so powerful about gratitude is regardless of where you are in your life, I think there's always an opportunity to find something to be grateful for. And sometimes um, we just forget the basic things and to be thankful for the basic things. So the fact that you were able to eat today, the fact you were able to have clean water today, the fact that you were, you know, able to use your body and your body functioned, you know, all these things. And it does just make you feel so much better. And there's a very famous book, do you know about The Secret? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certain things in that book, I've read it a few times, but like there's certain things, pinch of salt. No one would do always then. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit strange. The premise, which I love about it, um, and I do definitely agree with, is the whole what you focus on gets bigger thing, what you focus your energy on. Um, so It's like that shift of perspective as well. I think sometimes that what you were saying with the journaling is like, remind yeah. those things that you can take for granted and that actually Absolutely. we're so lucky to have those things and yeah, yeah really wonderful I think that's 100% the case and like sometimes you know you really struggle to even find five five things some days and then but I always find like as soon as I think of one I'm like oh crikey I have like all the things and I'm so lucky and it's almost, it's really good to sort of set yourself a challenge, especially in low mood to go, right, no, I have a comfy bed, you know, <laughs> I have clothes to wear and all the things which I think, you know, in Western society, we take for granted a lot of the big stuff. Definitely. Just, um, yeah, and I think there's something quite empowering in that as well, recognising the things that you do have control over and your perspective and where you decide to place that and what you choose absolutely. to feel grateful for is so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I thought whilst we're on the topic of kind of wellness and taking a holistic approach is something that you value a lot and I support that as well. I think it's super important. Um, so yeah, I was wondering if you wanted to share why for you taking that holistic approach to your well-being feels so important. I think, you know, it's one of those things where I've been practicing yoga since I was 15, actually. I found it when I was doing my GCSEs and the first yoga teacher I had was absolutely amazing because she had MS and she'd managed to reverse the effects of it through practicing yoga every day. I just remember being absolutely mind blown by the fact that she managed to completely transform her life and turn her life around just by bringing in a practice like that. And I've always loved um, sort of yoga and I guess more holistic natural health. I mean, and then um, my experience in telling the children is I started suffering with really bad insomnia. My kids like slept through from sort of three months old, you're really lucky. But um, twins was a complete surprise to me. We had no twins in the family and everything like that. And, and then the birth was quite traumatic as well. And that I felt like I kept being hit with tidal waves. And everything was like, all my conceptions of what I thought parenthood was going to be was just like, bam, no, bam, you know, <laughs> kind of like, and then I'd planned a C-section and then my waters broke and it was just like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and then, um, so actually looking back on it now with the benefit of hindsight, I can kind of, I would refer to it as um, PTSD. Um, also on the spectrum of postnatal depression, but I think it's kind of more, it's not a case of, um, there's one definition of that. I think it's like a big, huge roller coaster, and some days are good and some days are bad, but the old cliche of, you know, it's the best job and it's the hardest job is certainly true. Um, and I think, you know, you've just got to learn to be kind to yourself and it almost takes the experience of going through it to learn those skills. And I think what's so scary in the beginning is you're so in survival mode and then you're also kind of mourning your old life. And that's something which people don't talk about enough. I mean, people should make jokes about it. I don't know if you know Michael McIntyre, but um, there's like a wonderful sketch, which I love all about like how you know you people who don't have children yet you have no idea <laughs> and then uh, and he goes into all these scenarios and the, the really funny one is just like leaving the house how you can just leave your house and you can be like okay leaving the house before kids okay i want to leave the house okay bye and off you go like leaving your house with kids you just got to do so much planning. You do feel like you've had your freedom taken away, but then at the same time, the juxtaposition is you've been given a meaning to life <laughs> and you have like this incredible, and these two people, this one person who you like, you love more than anything else in the whole world. Sorry, I'm rambling again, aren't I? <laughs> but basically, long story short, I went to the doctors when I had severe insomnia. I was in a place of real vulnerability and literally said, please help me. I can't function on no sleep. And um, so they threw drugs at me because that's what Western medicine does. Um, put me on Prozac, put me on sleeping tablets, 
Um, I'd never ever touched antidepressants before. I'd always been very cautious of them, but I was in a real place of desperation. And they sort of said, well, just get through this first six weeks on these and then it will like balance out and you'll feel so much better, etc." I met up with a friend. I explained to her the whole scenario and I said, oh yeah, and they've put me on Prozac. And she was like, oh yeah, I tried that for exam stress when I was doing my veterinary qualification um and I came right off it because it caused insomnia and I was like what <laughs> I'd gone to them with insomnia but not depression and they'd said to me oh no insomnia is always a symptom of something else so you must be depressed and I was like well I don't feel depressed um so they'd convinced me to go on this <laughs> And when despite knowing it causes you what you're gonna get. I know, and then I'd gone back and said, Well, it's not working. So their response was just to up my dose. (laughs) And they kept like upping my dose and upping the dose in the sleeping tablets as well. It was just absolute madness. But I think this is a struggle, is when you're in a place of vulnerability and then their resources are pushed to the absolute limit as well. So they need a quick click solution. There isn't with this stuff. And I was off it within the next week. By this point, I'd been signed off work because I literally wasn't sleeping at all. So then the sleeping tablets started working once the Prozac was out of my system. But then I went on this whole journey with that. And you're supposed to be on those for an absolute maximum of four weeks. I was on them for eight months. And basically, it's an illusion that they're making you sleep. They're not making you sleep. They're tranquilizers. They basically knock you out, but you're not actually, your brain isn't actually going to sleep. So you always woke up groggy. It was when I did the group therapy, which was actually, was to be fair to the NHS, through the NHS, and um, was really great course actually. And it was just, it was kind of the point when it turned around for me because I actually found a sense of community within that class of other people dealing with similar things. I think a lot of insomnia is linked to hormones. I think an awful lot of stuff is linked to hormones. I don't think we know how much and how important hormones are anyway. But a lot of people suffer with insomnia when they go through that sort of premenopausal, menopausal stage as well. The problem with then going on sort of zopoclone and stuff like that is a side effect of long-term usage can be Alzheimer's, which is just like, again head F (laughs) and I was just like the more I learned the more I was like I don't want to be on this anymore this is not good news I'd got to the point where I was just like well if I don't take it tonight then I won't sleep it got me into just looking at other alternative solutions and another thing which came up was oh to test CBD oil and something I'd heard about, something I didn't know that much about. It was a fully organic brand. And so I just kind of went for it. I mean, by that time I'd cut down to, I was only taking half a pill anyway. So it wasn't that much of a leap. Um, So I um, just kind of went for it and um, went with the CBD oil route. And I think um, I have told you the really long (laughs) version of the story. I apologize. I guess that whole experience has got me back onto the whole holistic path again. And then it just all links in with what I want to do and what I want to put out into the world in terms of um, health, well-being, environmentalism, 
let's look more at nature for solutions let's look less at money and drugs for solutions you know and that whole thing really it feels like there's this this want for a quick fix that drugs yeah. quite often can bring and obviously there are a lot of conditions that do need drugs for them but i think we've become so reliant on them you're absolutely right and i'm completely agreeing with you there there are obviously conditions um where you need to look at drugs and drugs need to be part of the scenario it's about looking at even in that extreme scenario where you're having to go down that route then have something running alongside it and you can look at the holistic side running alongside it whether that be for your mental well-being whilst you're going through that and i just think that's absolutely the way things should be it should be partnership and it should be holistic health and for whatever reason there just still seems to be and it's fading slightly but this eastern western medicine split and i'm just like well why is that and why don't we look at it holistically and why don't we like question why we're doing these things and yeah it's sure. convenient it's money it's the fact that you know pharmaceuticals and money run the industry unfortunately yeah and i just think it's it's horrific as well the kind of idea of being given a drug to improve one aspect that you're struggling with but then you're also on another drug which is counteracting the impact yeah. of the other like what you were saying with the insomnia you were given a tablet Absolutely. that was completely causing what you were trying to yeah. get rid of it just makes no sense and i think this is the other thing i learned with sort of drugs and the first time i learned it actually was when i had i went through a phase of having bad acne and then i had very strong acne medication which you're only allowed to take short term and it did sort out my skin but it caused me other problems and i think the thing was that was when it hit me that oh okay so everything that you take which is like an extreme fix for something is going to by default break something else and so actually in the ideal world it's far better to take a more gentle approach which might not fully fix whatever problem a was but it doesn't it, cause b c d yeah. <laughs> and that's what i mean like by the holistic it is just like look at your whole body look at how it's all interconnected i think for me it took to have children to really understand that and it really when you go through growing and birthing twins <laughs> you really do have a different level of appreciation for your body and just how incredible yeah for sure like you grew two human beings like it's incredible yeah yeah mm. it's crazy so yeah. for anyone who was wanting to take a more holistic approach to their well-being do you have any little tips i know you mentioned like journaling and being in nature but i was just wondering if you had a few few tips for people on um, ways that they can kind of take care of themselves more holistically I think um, you know something which has been really powerful for me is just how doing little things every day makes a big difference and it doesn't have to take up that much time in your day and that's something which has really like 
filtered into me is um you know keeping that routine keeping the routine of doing the gratitude journal and doing yoga pretty much every day um has been really powerful and i think the whole thing of oh i don't have time so literally if you <laughs> the last five minutes before you fall asleep you do a few stretches and it's amazing how even doing that versus not doing that is just so empowering both mentally and physically yeah and also that versus scrolling through social media for five minutes you know like i think that's something yeah. that is a void that can suck so much time for, um yeah absolutely and it is addictive um I haven't watched that um, social dilemma problem. Watch yet. it, you need to. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's really good and it's on my watch list, but I haven't got to it yet. But the whole thing that all these things are a dopamine hit is quite scary. But it's also, on the other hand, it's working out what can you do in your own life to change things. I got into podcasts and I started listening to oprah winfrey's i always loved oprah but um she does this podcast called um super soul sunday where she interviews people it's just talking about people's own belief systems but she actually interviewed ariana huffington do you know the huffington post oh yes wow yeah so um the huffington post i'd been following for quite a few years in that it's positive empowering media she was a media mogul and she was just go 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 24 7 and it took for her to have that burnout there was a catalyst which kind of made her go oh crikey need to sort stuff out here and she changed her whole business model based on that and another thing that she did is she started leaving her phone outside her bedroom really probably should try that now um, and I just kind of took the mindset that, okay, if she can do it in her position when she's running a multinational media company, then I can do it. <laughs> and it just kind of gave me that perspective on it. And I've never gone back since. My phone charges on the landing. And the other thing which I try and do, and sometimes I'm better at it and other times I'm not, you've got to kind of find the balance between not making yourself feel guilty and not putting so much rules and regulations around it that it almost feels like oh i'm being naughty because then that can trigger anxiety so you've got to be careful with that as well i find so what my sort of in between route was like okay so from that point in the evening when i go upstairs i'm not allowed to look at instagram anymore i'm not allowed to look at social media anymore but i am allowed to use my phone for my gratitude journal for audiobooks and for podcasts and that works well when I do that and then when I go to bed it plugs in on the landing and I go to bed nice that's an awesome system I think that would be super valuable for people for sure yeah. um yeah yes. and um I'd love to move on now to talking a bit more about how you came into prioritizing eco-friendly living and living more sustainably i know you said it was something that was always kind of embedded as you were growing up i'd love to hear more about yeah how you came into to prioritizing it where you started those kind of things sure um so i think as you say it has always been part of my psyche it's always been something which i've tried to think about what a big catalyst for me really, really trying to go for it fully 
as much as I can and getting into promoting it was the War on Plastic programme, which was on the BBC. There were certain things about it which just completely blew my mind in quite a depressing way in some respects. Because I think before that programme came out, um, a lot of us were in the position where we're like, okay, you know, I'm one of the good ones. I'm putting my plastic in the plastic recycling, so that's okay. Obviously, I'm trying to cut down where I can, but it's um, very hard to do. I still stand by the point that it's very hard to do. The fact of the matter is, what is happening to that plastic was highlighted in this program. I have an auntie and uncle who have always been particularly into environmentalism. And I remember them saying to me years ago, you know, try and buy glass where you can because plastic generally gets shipped abroad. Um, but I hadn't really thought about it more than that. But this program highlighted that it literally is getting shipped to Indonesia. We don't have the processing for it here. And the problem is once it gets to Indonesia, it doesn't get monitored and it ends up in a rainforest just being dumped. It's horrendous. And it's literally like the whole approach to it is, oh, it's not in our backyard anymore, so that's fine. It's over there. Um, but it's like getting burnt. Greenpeace are there like saying, look, these local children are getting nosebleeds because no one's monitoring what's happening to this. And I was just like, what? What the hell? And then the other side of it was um, the whole amount of microplastic particles in our atmosphere. And they did tests around that and they got one of the universities involved. And that was horrendous as well. The other sort of real key thing was that they interviewed someone who worked for the waste company who receives all the waste from all the councils. And they were saying how nothing is going to change here whilst all of the financial onus is on the councils. You need corporates to take some financial responsibility for the end of life of the products for them actually to care. <laughs> and it's sad, but money does talk. And I think, you know, really that's what we have to do. But then again, it's about going back to the beginning of the conversation, controlling the controllables, just trying to make and promote in your own life the things which you can do came across a really interesting podcast the other day called sustainability ish or have you come across her sustainable ish yeah. yes thank you sorry sustainable ish she talks about always going for the low-hanging fruit what can you do what are the little changes which you can make which will make a big difference and the fact of the matter is we're not looking for everyone to do zero waste perfectly. It's about everyone doing it a little bit, but en masse. And that is genuinely going to make a difference. And I think it's about building my brand in a way where I feel so good about what I'm trying to promote and how I'm hopefully helping people and educating people as to, well, what can you do differently with your kids? What can you do differently in your life? I read this really interesting book by um, Jen Hatmaker and she is a preacher's wife in America and it's called Seven and she basically goes through seven months of less and she does it with consumerism as well. But what's interesting about it is like okay so you fast on one particular part of your life for a month and then you suddenly realise just how much choice you actually have and it's going to be really eye-opening. She says when she breaks it down in the consumerism month 
unfortunately why it is because the world is all about making money that um it's actually getting into that acceptance piece that okay if i want to go organic that doesn't necessarily i'm going to be plastic free but at least i'm going organic so that's a positive step in the right direction same goes for fair trade plastic free and but then the flip side is and this is where the market needs to shift is i can buy a pint of organic milk for like 50p but if i get in the glass bottle from the milkman it's one pound 20 for a point and i'm like well why is that down to the consumer to sort that out why a glass bottles and reusable bottles not more readily available because i'd love to do that but you know i have to make my choice because we're on a budget and i think that's what needs to shift is legislation needs to filter down from the top and and actually make these changes um in terms of it kind of filtering down from the top i completely agree like we do we do have responsibilities as consumers but there's so much that isn't in our control that mm -hmm. companies need to be held accountable for because for example like you were saying if a company was held accountable for the plastic that they were using the impacts that's having on the environment and that financially that burden was with them then us as consumers the finance shouldn't come into it when we're trying to make a better choice between plastic glass, organic or not and so that's kind of the goal of my brand as such that's my mission statement is i want to actively help make green the mainstream <laughs> in whatever way i can and at the moment you know obviously i'm generally product testing for a lot of startup companies who are just trying to get their feet off the ground but that's helping and it's own right because if i can help them get off the ground and get more popular then hopefully more people will use them and but at the moment we're in a space where this is still new which is complete madness <laughs> why is this still new but then you look around and you look at you know just in an average room how there are things i mean i was just looking as i was talking to you well my computer's made of plastic of course it is you know and my keyboard's made of plastic and stuff like that so like could that be made out of something else probably not um so there are things which need to be made out of plastic but there's so many things which don't need to be made out of plastic and i think actually making these small changes every change which you make is a win and there are things which you can do which can give you a long-term change for example i've just done a post last week on switching to reusable um period products and you know that's something well yeah it was an investment but the way i handled that was to buy a little bit of it each month and so each month i was a little bit greener so i wasn't completely all all green straight away because it costs quite a lot of money to build up that product but once you have it then you have it and you don't need to buy any more sanitary products and it's just like why are we not educated to do that why did it take me to 37 to make that switch you know it's just it's kind of crazy but actually in researching that blog post it was quite interesting because i kind of went down a rabbit hole on period poverty and how there was this amazing company called the little red box company who had really really pushed to solve period poverty in the uk and had successfully brought in 
legislation that the governments will fund period products for the whole of the school system and that literally came in at the beginning of the year so any school age children are going to have free period products and i was like wow that's amazing you know because surely it shouldn't be the case that people are having to miss school because they're on their period but then i found another piece of legislation which was then brought to, to the fore by and um, the green party and i think because of all you know the pandemic and everything else going on it hasn't necessarily gone through all the stages of government yet and excuse my naivety on politics but you know we haven't obviously been taught about that in school which is like a whole other problem but it's sort of saying that well guys don't lose this opportunity you're providing free period products you know start educating people at the beginning of their period that they should be buying green products provide some green products as part of that i mean it's positive that it definitely seems to be in process and people are starting to think about these things i like to be an optimist <laughs> we definitely need optimism at the moment for sure um like i think it's getting that balance as well between we need to become aware of the situation and what's happening and what needs to change but we need to have hope that these changes can happen um, which I think is really important. And, and I think that sometimes from the ground up it's working because like the changes in packaging and stuff like that are starting to make a difference. I mean, have you heard about the whole wonky vegetable campaign? Yes. <laughs> that was started by um, the Jimmy and Jamie food fight on a Friday night. But they went to all the big supermarkets and they were like, well, why aren't you selling this stuff? Why are you making us chuckle this stuff? And they were like, well, the consumers wouldn't want to buy it. They want a perfect carrot and I'm just like do they what are you basing that on <laughs> like did I tell you that did I say that <laughs> no exactly and that's what drives you mad is like you need someone to actually question the status quo here at that point in time which was actually before I had children and when I had a bit more of a budget I used to get able and cold boxes and it just used to make me laugh because there was a whole thing with Abel and Cole boxes. Oh, look, it's a wonky, funky carrot, you know, and people were posting on social media. And that's like the top end of the market. Meanwhile, you've got the mainstream supermarkets going, oh, the consumers don't want that. No, no, no. They just want a perfectly, completely cylinder. Why? Why do you think that? People don't need as much choice as you think they need either. There's a lot that could be done in that space. Definitely. And just promoting actually selling what is a more sustainable ethical option rather than bombarding us with so many choices and putting it on the responsibility of the consumer to try and figure out what's the best thing to do. Like it's just, yeah. yeah. It's complete madness. And I just think, you know, the ethical brands really need a kickstart from the government. They really need a boost and they need to get subsidised because things like that have happened in the past when it's of the right agenda for the wrong things. <laughs> you know, things get taxed which shouldn't be taxed and they have the power to do these things. They did it with cigarettes, they did it with period products. They need to actually make the shift. Yeah, and like I think that's ridiculous to put a tax on things like period products, which is like a bodily function that is natural, I know. but then not 
tax something that is being so detrimental to the environment that we're, be, we're being shown is, is so detrimental. So why is it still made so easy for companies to produce these things? Yeah, yeah. I think this is like the really important stuff which actually needs to make a change. And, but what I find really positive are people are starting to think outside of the box and the whole green agenda is no longer got that whole, oh, you must be a hippie, you must be a tree hugger. It's still seen big society-wise as a bit of a wishy-washy concept. How do you think we get over that? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. I think there's still such a long way to go in making um, sort of a sustainable and environmental space more accessible because it's not and there's still a lot of voices we're not hearing from there's so many kind of marginalized communities i think also ability you know in terms of disabled people having a voice in this indigenous people having a voice in this people of color Mm -hmm. like all of all of these different aspects of society younger people older people people with from a lower lower socioeconomic background i think it's so crucial that all of these people have a voice and because at the end of the day a lot of the actions that we are taking are impacting on marginalized communities people from a lower socioeconomic background people i mean you have to look at things like why is it still the case that it is still cheaper to buy less healthy food exactly this is where the legislation piece needs to come in and actually, I mean, this was something which was highlighted on that war on plastic program. But even if it's the case that you make the decision, hey, I'm going to buy loose fruit and veg, it costs you something like 30, 40% more than it does to buy stuff in packages. And you're just like, why? Hi, hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I guess the thing with them is I just want it to be normal for them. I think you do have power in the kind of way that you choose to give them an upbringing and things like I always get them to help me undo the food shopping and to like take it all out of the packages and stuff. And, and they'll be like, Oh, which bin does this go in? And I'll be like, well, look, look at the logos. And every time we have to put something in the main waste, I'll go, well, unfortunately that one needs to go in the main waste. We have our landfill waste bin is like a small little dinky bin and our recycling bin is a giant full-size kitchen bin and it's stuff like that as well. I want them to understand that what we should be aiming for. And going off that, I really wanted to chat to you a bit about any advice you would give to parents with young children, kind of balancing, trying to live more eco-friendly whilst balancing that with parenthood i mean i think it was something which shocked me in the first sort of year year and a half of their existence i probably actually became less eco than i'd been for five years previous to that because it was about convenience and it was about just get through it just survive it really i think this is something which is good advice is that to actually ask for eco baby products for your baby shower because again it's a case that it's not really affordable i asked for um biodegradable nappies for my baby shower um but once that supply ran out then we had to go with like aldi because 
we had twins and we were going through a hell of a lot and we had to just make that choice. But then you see, I made a choice further down the line that once the boys have been, since the boys have been in just pull ups overnight, I've switched to natty. There is a whole section of people who can't afford biodegradable nappies as their day nappy. But when the child is potty trained like during the day and they just need to wear them at night then you obviously need to buy far less of them and I've actually approached those companies and said that and they they're not seemingly interested in that which I think is a real shame the whole nappy scenario is absolutely shocking because a biodegradable nappy rots down in about five years versus a standard nappy takes 500 years Again, it's, it's something which really, you know, it shouldn't be down to the consumer because the kind of price difference you're talking about is the difference between 4p a nappy for an Aldi nappy to 14p a nappy. Now, when you're talking about how many you're getting through, it is not a huge difference. Yeah, it's not affordable. And whilst it would be great to be eco in that time, I think you shouldn't necessarily be riddled with guilt if you don't manage to do that but it's about when you have the ability to make the choices again to try and make those little choices and I think that's what you can try and do because again when I switched to going for the eco nappies then I went for eco nappy bags as well and I went for eco wipes biodegradable wipes as well I did manage to successfully keep to washable wipes for the first year um but um to be honest it ended up being a bit of a nightmare because then it was just another thing to wash <laughs> and the amount of washing which you do is just don't even get me started i think the point is you don't need to be a martyr you just need to make the choices when you can make the choices i'm a big fan of like muslin squares for example and the boys will use them for everything. I always use flannels to wipe their faces after a meal and stuff like that. It's old school, simple stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Like there are things out there that just coincidentally are the more eco-friendly and cheaper alternative, which is wonderful. Yeah. It's just the hope that that can You know, when I, when, when I talk about that, you know, eco-consumerism, counter is a win for everything that you do manage to do. Definitely, yeah so important yeah. otherwise we'll just burn ourselves out because 100 percent. yeah we, we need to remind ourselves of the positive steps we're taking for sure i'll just ask you the final question that i always ask on the podcast so i was just wondering for you what helps you find a little bit of lagen in your life it's just trying to set realistic expectations with your day and with your decision making it's not trying to do everything it's not trying to fix everything. It's about conscious consumerism rather than mindless consumerism. Take a step back first and think to yourself, well, why, where's it made? What's it made from? Can I make a choice here? Um, can I buy a secondhand version? You know, I mean, secondhand is one of the brilliant bridge things, which I just think we, Basically, all we need to do is remove the stigma around it. What I love about secondhand is that it's both budget friendly and it's environmentally friendly and often you're giving back to charity as well. So it really is win, win, win. It's 
taking the small wins. Yes, celebrating the little wins sounds like a super important mm. thing. Um, yeah. And I just want to yeah. say as well, I'm so touched that you got in contact and that you, yeah, that you wanted to do the podcast. It's, it was really, really lovely. That I'm really excited to do this with you. I really am because I just think, and I love being able to share with people who are like-minded, you know, I just, it really gives me hope for the future that there are so many people out there who really are trying in their own ways to make their life a bit more green and a bit more sustainable. I'm, I'm always open to working with other green companies and, um, you know, please do get in touch if you want to work with me. <laughs> awesome. Cool. But yeah, thank you so much. Super. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Jill for chatting with me. It was lovely to get to know you a bit better and hear about your journey to living more sustainably and sharing this message with the world. If you'd like to find out more about Jill's work, I'll attach links to her website in the show notes so that you can take a look at what she's getting up to. She also has a YouTube channel as well as the blog and you can find all that information on her website. If you have any thoughts or questions on any of the podcast episodes, please feel free to drop me a message either on Instagram or via email. You can find me on Instagram at a little bit of Largum and my email account is a little bit of Largum at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, I'd be so incredibly grateful and you can do this on the coffee account, which I'll have a link to in the show notes for this episode. Your support really means so much and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you so much for listening and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.